turn this morning to the book of 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, and we'll be in chapter number 1 this morning, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1. We look forward uh, to what the Lord has for us today. Today is the first day in a long time we haven't been in John chapter number 6 as we spent uh, many weeks uh, in the miracle of the five loaves and two fish. And uh, Lord willing, uh, we will see what the Lord has for us this morning, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 1, and I'm going to read the entire chapter this morning, all 12 verses, and so uh, if you'll follow along with me uh, this morning, uh, let's see what the Word of God has for us. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and verse number 1, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to draw your attention to verse number 7 this morning and to the first phrase of that verse, and to you who are troubled. And to you who are troubled. We live in a troubled time today. Uh, but the Word of God gives clarity. The Word of God gives comfort. The Word of God gives courage. And there are many things uh, that I am going to bring out from this passage of Scripture uh, in the message today that need to be a reminder to us. But I want to speak on that subject today and to you who are troubled. Father, I pray this morning that you would use the Word of God to work in our hearts, to work in our lives. Father, I pray once again that if there's one lost today, may they trust Christ as their Savior. May they realize today the penalty for rejecting Christ. And Father, I pray for your church today, for each child of God, uh, that we may be reminded of uh, some truths that we must hold on to. And Father, I pray that uh, we would continue to be a light in this dark day. May Christ be honored today, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul is writing to the Christians, the church at uh, Thessalonica, the Thessalonians. Uh, is a modern is in modern as a city in modern day Greece. Uh, the one of his missionary journeys, Paul went there in the book of Acts, 
uh, reminds us of this. And uh, he spoke in the Jewish temple there, and there were many who believed uh, in a risen Savior. And a church was founded, and uh, there were those that were saved. But while Paul was there teaching, uh, there were many who did not appreciate uh, Paul presenting the truth of a risen Savior. The Scripture tells us that the Jews and those who were still devout in their religion, they came and they stirred up and they caused trouble uh, to the point where Paul and those with him had to leave. These Christians are in a difficult place. Uh, they are in Thessalonica, which was not a holy city, which was not a Christian city. It was a pagan city. Uh, it was there they worshipped their false gods. They worshipped those false religions. And, and, they had a, and they were living in this type of a city. This was a, a, a town and a port. It was a great pass-through. And so you had those who would be local to that city, but all kinds passed through this city. So they did not live in a place that was friendly to the gospel. And on top of that, those who were religious would persecute them as well. Uh, friend, no matter how difficult it seems today for us to serve God and to hold to the truth, it has never been easy for God's people uh, to live the way they ought to live and to proclaim the truth that should be proclaimed. But I would submit that it was it, whatever we face today is not as difficult as this church faced during this time. Paul addresses to them, and he speaks to them right from the beginning. He comments, and I notice verse number 3, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. It encouraged Paul to see their faith grow. Isn't that an encouraging thing to see one another grow in the faith and see God do something in the faith? And the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. They were in a difficult time. They were in a pagan city. But Paul makes note of their charity towards one another. And by the way, that's the way God's church should be. Uh, we ought to get along with one another better than we get along with anybody else. As the song was just saying, we are God's children, and there ought to be charity one towards another. And Paul takes note of that. And at the beginning of Paul's letter, as we see these first few verses, if you were not aware of the circumstances surrounding these letters that Paul wrote, if you were not aware of the city they lived in, you would think that everything was okay. And by the way, that's the way it should be in the house of God. In spite of the circumstances around us, we should still live with victory. We should still have joy. We should still have charity one with another. We should still grow in the faith. But in verse number four, he begins to address the persecutions and the tribulations that they endure. And God's people have always faced persecutions and tribulations. From the pagan uh, city that they may live in to the religious persecution of those that reject uh, the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul acknowledges that. In verse number 5, he says that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. Aren't you thankful that Jesus paid the price for you and I to have salvation? Aren't you thankful that today I don't have to worry about my eternity? You don't have to worry about your eternity if you put your trust in Christ. Our eternity is secure in heaven. And by the way, you can't 
brag too much about how heaven is going to be. You can't exaggerate too much at the way heaven is going to be. I mean, how much can you say about perfection? And there are things that the human mind cannot comprehend. I'm thankful uh, that, that Jesus paid that price. I say that to remind us of what he did for us, but also to remind us that no price is too heavy for us to pay for the gospel. No price is too heavy for us to pay to hold the truths of this book. Not everybody likes the Word of God. Not everybody's going to be excited uh, that you are excited about the things of God. And Paul begins to acknowledge uh, the, the suffering that they endure, not just because of the pagan world they live in, but because of the religious persecution and opposition. If you understand the circumstances of these letters, there are those who begin to bring false doctrine and things into the church. And by the way, the church has always had to deal with the truth versus false doctrine. But I want us to get us to our text this morning in verse number 7. Let's go back to verse number 6. Sing is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Paul reminds them God is very aware of what's going on. So he continues that thought in verse number 7, And to you who are troubled, there were some that were troubled inside the church. There were some that were troubled because of the persecution that they faced. There were some who were troubled because of the circumstances which they found themselves. Much of these Two books, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, deal with the resurrection and the coming of Christ. And much had been said contrary to what is the truth of the second coming of Christ. And Satan had sown seeds of discord. You have the opposition of a pagan government. You have the, the persecution, opposition of false religion. And it had troubled some, no doubt. So Paul narrows this part of the letter, and he says, I want to address you who are troubled. And can I make a correlation to the church today? We live in a world that is quickly, even in our own nation, becoming more and more pagan. And we are boasting in our government of the murder of unborn children. We are, we, are, we are parading that as a list of accomplishments after the name of many politicians. We celebrate all things wicked. We celebrate all things immoral. We boast in our political movement of, of the depravity of, 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 of depraving small children and little boys and little girls, and confusing them about the way God made them. That is something that, that in our nation today we brag about, we parade, uh, we, 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 talk, we talk about, and it is very troubling. Make no mistake about it, there are some who have perceived power that they have met, let it be known that those who believe this book, they may not say it like this, but they say it in so many words, your days are numbered. It's troubling. It's troubling to see, and especially those of you that are a little older, you remember a different America. It's troubling to see the way we are being told that we must accept 
different ways of belief. And we live in a land of freedom, which that is quickly becoming. You're free to believe and speak if you agree with what I think or, or, or believe. But friend, the Bible is very clear. There is one mediator between God and man. There is one way, one truth, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we look at the circumstances around us, and if you listen to certain media outlets, they will tell you how normal and wonderful all these depraved things are. If you listen to so-called conservative media outlets, they will tell you how bad things are and how quickly we are losing our nation and how distressed we could, should be. And wherever you fall in that, this morning is, 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 is not my message, but the point is it can be very troubling. And with the things that have taken place in our nation in the last year, if we are not careful, we'll look at what's going on around us and, and forget what is going on above us. And Paul wants to bring the attention down and says, I know there's some of you that are troubled. You're troubled by the persecution. You're troubled by the events that are taking place. You're troubled by the fact that Jesus hasn't returned yet. You're troubled. And he wants to remind them of some things. And I want to remind you and I of some things this morning. And you and I need to be very, very careful in the fact that the Bible gives us clarity of what is going to take place. The Bible gives us, gives us truth that ought to comfort us today. And there's some things that we need to be reminded of. And I, I want to bring those to us this morning. Let me say number one. We, look with me in verse number seven. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. You can be comforted. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Number one, let me say we have the revealing from heaven. There's going to be a revealing from heaven. I know that we can see the signs of the times, and I know that Bible prophecy tells us there are certain things that are going to happen, including the revealing of the Antichrist, but can we just say, Christians need to stop talking about, is this the mark of the beast? Is this when the Antichrist is coming? And start looking for the clouds, because I'm not going to be here when any of that takes place, because Jesus is coming again. The clouds are going to reveal the Son of God. To you who are troubled, let's be reminded there's going to be a revealing from heaven. Jesus is returning. Jesus is coming back. And he is coming back, as the scripture tells us, with his mighty angels. We need to be reminded today as God's church, as those who have trusted Christ as our Savior, we are on the winning side. We do not lose. We are not going to come up short because the day is coming. No matter what governments declare, no matter what pagan society declares, the day is going to come when God says it is time. The trumpet is going to sound. The church is going to be called out of here. Can you imagine some explaining is going to have to go on when that takes place? If you're troubled this morning, you need to be reminded that there's going to be a revealing from heaven. We believe so much about this book, but we forget that the second coming of Christ is a Bible truth. It is something that is going to take place. How many of you believe Jesus came, born of a virgin, 
was laid in a manger. Let me see your hand this morning. How do you believe he came? Okay. Why do you believe that? It's not because you got a Christmas present. It's not because we celebrate Jesus' birthday on Christmas Day on December 25th. It's because this Bible tells us he came. Just as sure as it is true that he came into this world sent by God, it is just as true that he is coming again to this world sent by God. And you and I, if you're troubled today, let me bring you some encouragement. There is going to be a revealing from heaven. The mockery is not going to stop it. The denial is not going to stop it. The so-called scientists who want to explain everything away, I can't wait to see how they try and blame the rapture on global warming. Like they, they try and tie everything else into that. The point is this morning, you don't have to be, be troubled because there's going to be a revealing from heaven. Something very important that this world needs to hear and you and I need to be reminded of, we see secondly in verse number 8. In flaming fire taking vengeance on them, that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, there's a gospel ultimatum. To you who are troubled, be reminded there's a gospel ultimatum. Paul writes, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, there is one way to heaven. It is through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we have fallen prey as Christians, as Bible believers. We've allowed ourselves to be lumped in with all religious, and we're okay with it. Um, we are not religious. We are converted. We are Christians. We are a child of God. Religion will send a man to hell. Jesus Christ, it is through Him we have salvation. Uh, they, they, the, the apostles were not, please don't miss this, the apostles were not accused of being religious. As a matter of fact, they were being the opposite of religious. They were a Christ follower. They were preaching a gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are rejecting the law, we are rejecting the tradition, and we are following the, the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe in His death, His burial, and His resurrection. We believe in the gospel. It was not religious, it's I'm going to be like Christ. I'm going to follow Christ. I'm a disciple of Christ. And friend, there's a difference today than being a disciple of Christ and having your church membership somewhere. There's a difference today than being a disciple of Christ and having a denominational label tagged to you. There is a difference in all of that. And Paul reminds them the gospel is the separator. This morning, I am not speaking to you of whether or not you're a Catholic, a Methodist, or a Baptist. You must know that you are saved. You must know that your eternity is secure. And friend, this morning, you must know that there has been a time when you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Your grandmother's salvation is not going to get you to heaven. Your grandmother's religion is not going to get you to heaven. You must face the reality, but it is through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul reminds those who are troubled, that's the separator. 
It's not, it's not liberal or conservative. It's saved or lost. It is not religious or non-religious. It is saved or lost. It is not whatever tag you want to put on it. You're either the redeemed or you're the ones who have rejected Christ. That is the ultimatum. In this morning, we should be reminded that first of all, if you don't have your salvation settled, if you're depending on a church membership or a church beliefs, you, that is not going to save you. You need to get that settled today. It is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said to obey not. Those that obey not the gospel, they don't do what the Bible says they have to do to be saved. They don't believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. I know we live in a day where if you're narrow-minded like that, I, I, I just don't think that, that it would be that narrow-minded. It's an ultimatum. I'll go further than saying it's narrow. God gives an ultimatum. It's the gospel or nothing. I, I remind us of this as Paul reminded those that were troubled in that day. That if we are saved, there's nothing that anybody can do about that. If we are saved, our rest is coming when he comes back. Our rest is coming when we are with him. And it also reminds us that if we are not saved, there's nothing that can help us. Friend, it doesn't matter what this world does. The gospel is the separator. It doesn't matter what threatenings this world makes. The gospel is the separator. You know what would happen? In some other churches, in some other countries, this is a real situation where the church meets and they're persecuted. And yes, there is persecution in the United States of America, but there are places where Christians will assemble in those that will come from different religions, whether it be a state religion whether it be Islam, uh, and by the way, Islam is not a religion of peace. It's been a while since I've said that, so I think I'll mention that again. Uh, they come in and they will murder an entire group of people for believing in the name of Jesus Christ. What a horrible thing. But let's, let's, let's get down to reality. That gospel ultimatum separates those who perpetuated that evil, they will answer to God. You say, that's a horrible thing. That is the most horrible thing that could happen on this side of the earth. But let me tell you what happened in that moment. The one that they were singing hymns about, they entered into his presence. Then there was rest. See, there's a gospel ultimatum. There is no alternative. Well, I just don't think I believe in Jesus. It doesn't matter who you believe in. If you do not believe in Jesus, you do not believe in the gospel, there's nobody that can save you. There is a God, the gospel ultimatum, number three. Look at me, verse number nine. Let's go back to verse number eight. A flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. I remind you, number three, of the coming destruction. The coming destruction. Paul reminds those that are troubled that vengeance is coming. 
on them that know not God. And obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9 again, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction. The destruction that needs to be worried about in our nation is not the destruction of the financial market. It should not be the worry of the destruction of the pillars of government. It ought to be be the coming destruction that is of an everlasting nature. And just as those that are saved and the redeemed will spend eternity in heaven with our Savior, those who have rejected the gospel... And those, when Christ returns, that everlasting destruction of paying for their own sins in that horrible place called hell. Man can deny it. Man cannot like to discuss it. Man cannot like to talk about it. But it does not change the fact that there is a real heaven. There is a real hell. And if Jesus were to come back today, you and I would be, be on our way for eternity, spending an eternity with him in that wonderful place he referred to as paradise that wonderful place called heaven, that wonderful place where there is no sin and that glorified body we would all have and we would be reunited with those who've gone on before us. But at the same token, Christ would come. He's coming different the second time than he came the first time. He came the first time to pay the sin debt for men. He's coming the second time and he's bringing justice. The scripture says he's bringing vengeance against those who rejected him, who rejected what he did for mankind. It's not going to be a fun party and celebration when the church is raptured out. The judgment is going to come and there is a coming destruction that is coming. I, I think of a conversation I had when I was in Israel last year and towards the end of the trip, I was speaking with one of the ladies that was associated with the tour company that we went with, and she was asking me about the things that I enjoyed the most, and I was mentioning several things, and I got to the point where I said, I just, being on the Mount of Olives was just an amazing thing to me. Being on the Mount of Olives, and at the foot of the Mount of Olives is the Garden of Gethsemane where Christ prayed before his crucifixion, and standing on that mount and seeing the city of Jerusalem. There's just there's a lot of amazing sights in this world, but to me, that is just this is an incredible sight. Looking at the city of Jerusalem and standing on the same Mount of Olives that Christ stood on, she said, "Oh yeah, it's 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 wonderful to see the Mount of Olives where where all of those historical things take place." I said, "But I, I'm more interested when I stand on the Mount of Olives. I look at that city." I look at where maybe Christ, where he might have stood or the things that he said as he looked at that city. I said, but my mind can't help but think of the fact that he's coming again. And the Mount of Olives isn't going to be the same when he comes again. He's coming again to take his rightful place as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when he comes, there is a coming destruction 
Friend, you and I ought to be busy as God's church. This is just to remind those who may be distressed. This may be just to remind those who may be troubled, and rightfully so, about the things that are going on around us. The King of kings, our Lord of lords, is returning. He is coming back. And with him is a coming destruction of those who have rejected him. There's a coming destruction of those who have mocked him and ignored him and rejected the, the truths of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why you and I as the church, we ought to be busy telling others about, about that day. We ought to be busy giving the gospel. We ought to be busy winning others to Christ. We ought to be busy about the, the business of the church because there is a coming destruction. And you won't be able to vote your way out of it. You won't be able to relocate to a different part of the nation, a different part of the world. The scripture tells us that this world is going to be destroyed. Those who have rejected Christ will stand before that great white throne. And the book of Revelation tells us how those who rejected the truth of Jesus Christ as Savior will be cast into that place called hell. That eternal lake of fire. There's a coming destruction. And then number four. We read down to the end of the chapter beginning with well, let, 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 let me add one of the, the. Let me just add this, but Scripture brings out verse number nine: the everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. There's a lot of horrible things about hell: the suffering, the flames, the darkness. But the worst thing about hell is God is not going to be anywhere near there. Man will be lost from the presence of God forever. You know, the things we enjoy in this world, we enjoy them because the presence of God is still here. If you're saved this morning, the presence of God is within you. And how fast this world, and the book of Revelation tells us how quickly this world is going to become darker than you and I can ever imagine once the Christians are raptured out. And those wicked and evil rulers of this world and our nation who think the Christians are the problem, just hang on, we'll all be gone at some point. And the, the, the very presence of God will be removed from this world. We get to the end of the chapter, verse number 10, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith and power. Verse 12, That the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, and ye in Him, according to the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Number four, we have the opportunity before us. Paul writes, and he's going to address some things in this letter to these Christians. But he mentions in verse number 7, as we've already seen, it's the title of our message today, into you who are troubled. Many of them have been troubled by the things that have taken place in their world. They were troubled by the political climate. They were troubled by the persecution, opposition they faced by, from, from religion. They were troubled about the uncertainty, and Paul reminds them there's a great opportunity before. He reminds them that Jesus is coming again. He reminds them that God will take care of those who oppose you. God will take care of those who persecute you. 
Friend, that's why you and I, no matter what takes place, the government, whatever takes place, you and I are just to be busy about doing the Lord's work. We don't have to stop and battle those who battle us. God's going to take care of all that. God fights that battle. But he reminds these Christians at the end of this first chapter, there's a great opportunity before them. Obviously, Christ did not return in their day. You and I are to be looking for his coming today. I believe he could come today. We should be anxiously awaiting his return, our call to be with him. But while we are waiting for Christ to make every wrong right, for that trumpet to sound, there's a great opportunity before you and I. The opportunity is not a political revolution. Although I would be okay with us getting back to the nation that we were when we were founded. That is not our opportunity. Our opportunity today is found in verse number 12, and that is that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ might be glorified. And if we live with a hostile government towards the things we believe, we have an opportunity to have the name of Jesus Christ be glorified. If we face religious persecution, we have an opportunity for the name of Jesus Christ to be glorified. No matter what takes place in this life, no matter what takes place in this world, no matter what takes place in our own nation, we as the redeemed, we as the church, we should have the goal and the priority in the if I am persecuted, I can lift up the name of Christ. If it's more difficult to, to advance the cause of Christ, to give the gospel, I can lift up the name of Christ. If this world rejects the greatest news that has ever existed, and that is the fact that Jesus died and paid the sin debt of all men, I can still lift up the name of Jesus Christ. That is the opportunity that is before us is for Jesus to be glorified. Hey, I want to keep telling man of the gospel, the death, the burial, and resurrection, and it is still true today when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That is still true today. No religion can get you to the Father. Uh, no, no, no lifestyle can get you to the Father. What somebody else did, they can't pray anybody out of, out of purgatory because it doesn't exist into the Father. None of that is going to take place. Only Jesus Christ can get lost man to the Father. I'm going to keep telling people the greatest news of the world, that Jesus died for them. It will say, what if they reject him? Then I'm going to move on and tell somebody else that Jesus died for them. What if they reject him? Then I'm going to move on and tell somebody else that Jesus died for them. And I'm going to find the one who wants to know how they can be saved. I'm going to find the one who wants to know how they can be redeemed. I'll tell you what I'm going to do Sunday in and Sunday out. I'm going to get up and preach this book and remind you and I that the trumpet is going to sound. Jesus is coming coming again. His church is going to be called home, and you and I need to keep our focus on that. But pastor, what if everybody doesn't believe that? There are some who they, we believe, they believe we are, in the, we are in the tribulation now. I would say they need to read their Bible to figure that out. The Bible is very clear on that. It doesn't matter if every man believes it. I'm going to keep preaching it because it is the truth, and we are going to still lift up the name of Christ. Pastor, what if we face persecution? We're still going to do what we're supposed to do. Because there's an opportunity in front of us to lift up his name. 
Are you troubled today? There's a lot that would trouble us. And if we're not careful, we'll put our eyes on a human solution. We'll be discouraged to the point, well, I guess things are just different today. Oh, no, I don't think they're any different than when Paul wrote this letter. If you're troubled, be reminded of what the things that Paul reminded these Christians. There is going to be a revealing from heaven. Jesus is coming again. And let me give a warning. It's been several months since I've given. Be careful of political commentary. Because even so-called conservatives, they're looking at the situation from a conservative, political conservative point of view, not from a Bible point of view. And Jesus is coming again. What's not going to, what will save America is not another Ronald Reagan. What will save America is another awakening. Is another revival of churches being planted and started and Christians coming back to the Lord. That's what will save America. But the time is coming when the, there will be a revealing from heaven, and there is a gospel ultimatum. This morning, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I did not set this ultimatum. Baptist churches did not set this ultimatum. God did. God said it. It's through Christ or not at all. It's through Christ alone or not at all. There is a coming destruction. And by the way, that ought to be good motivation for us to continue to lay up treasures in heaven and not to put our roots too deep down here because all this is going to burn up one day. That which lasts for eternity is that which is laid up in eternity. And if I'm honest this morning, I don't like the way things are in my nation. I don't like it. Often, so, and I don't mind you doing it, of course, I'm saying, so what do you think about this? And I really don't know. I've just shut everything off. Because I know me enough, I don't want to walk around all the time ticked off. I hear enough just in passing. I see headlines enough just to know, yeah, it's, just, it's probably as bad as I think it is. I don't like the way things are taking place. I think it's a shame that the blood of patriots from our nation who have shed their blood on foreign soil, it's being spit upon and trampled on. But worse than that, in God we trust has been made a mockery. I don't like it. Let me tell you what I'm going to do about it. I'm going to live to lift up his name. I'm going to, Pastor, it, it may not get easier. I'm counting on it not getting easier. That's why our admonition is to let others see Christ 
as Paul wrote, the light of Christ in us. It's interesting to me that the Apostle Paul, God used the Apostle Paul to write this letter, because if you think of martyrs, I cannot help but think of Stephen, who was stoned because he preached Christ. You know the story. There was a church persecutor, a Christian killer there, who held the coats of those who stoned him. His name was Saul. I happen to believe that Stephen, in his faith, in the midst of his, his, last, his dying breaths, asking for the forgiveness and never wavering from his belief, I believe Saul saw the light of Christ in him. And as he left there and he met Christ on that Damascus road, you know the story, he was saved and became the Apostle Paul. Everybody who wants to do something for God talks about the Apostle Paul. I'd love to do what the Apostle Paul did. I'd love to have a ministry like the Apostle Paul. We don't want to go through the things the Apostle Paul went through in his ministry, but oh, but the, the, the far-reaching effect. But there would be no Apostle Paul if there was not a Stephen who said in difficult circumstances, not going the way I want it to go. But I'm only here to let man see the light of Christ in me. Friend, may, may, maybe this disappoints you this morning. I hope it doesn't. But God did not place me on this earth to turn the nation upside down for Him. To even turn our city upside down. Man's not capable of that. God put me on this earth to let this world see the light of Christ in me. And you are determined to let the world see the light of Christ in you. And when this world sees the light of Christ in us, that's when God could do a great thing with that. Are you troubled this morning? I just want to remind you, you don't have to be. Unless you're lost. Unless you've yet to receive Christ. You should be very troubled. Because if that trump were to sound today, Jesus was to return today. You'd be lost to that eternal destruction forever. As we go to the invitation this morning, if that is you, you need to get your salvation settled, I would get it settled right away. But somebody showed you from the Word of God how you can be saved. Not what a man says, not what a religion says, but what God has said is necessary, the gospel, in order for man to be reconciled to Him. Christian, this morning, maybe, maybe you've been a little discouraged. I don't know. Maybe you have been. Let's put our eyes back on the Savior. Let's put our eyes back on those clouds waiting for Him to be revealed. That's going to be an amazing thing. I pray it's in my lifetime. I'm going to live like it's in my lifetime. Pastor, what's going to be if, it, if that trumpet sounds and we, I, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I've never flown before. But we are going to be taken out of this world in an instant. That would be pretty awesome. But if it's not in my lifetime or the Lord choose to take me home through the portal of death before that trumpet sounds, it'll be a pretty good view from that 
aspect as well. It'll be a pretty amazing thing from that side of eternity as well. I guess what I want to remind us of today is we can't, if you're a child of God, you cannot lose. We cannot lose. Let's keep our focus on that. Father, I pray this morning.